Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite crap beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude side I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast, and I want to thank you all so much for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. It really means a lot to me. Big shout out to all our friends of the podcast. Vegas Squares Podcast, Sports Talk, by sports fans, for sports fans. We've got Zero Gravity Games down in Fayetteville, Georgia. Please visit them for any of your used, rare, and vintage gaming needs. Up here in Winnipeg, we've got B-Boys Honey, um, available in all kinds of stores here. Um, great locally sourced, locally made honey. Uh, wonderful counseling up good things about them. we got Selfix Doctors located at 666 St. James Street. Please, uh, please visit them for any cell phone, tablet, and screen repair needs you might have. Mention the Seems Legit podcast. Receive 10% off. Last but not least, we got our friends over at Skin Dimensions. Uh, please visit them for any tattooing or piercing needs or desires you might have. All right, let's jump into it. I saw something uh, today on Instagram uh, about Daniel Negreanu and talking about the player of the year formula and how this year he's going to be playing um, way more World Series of Poker events than he typically does at the uh, lower buy-in levels. Um, now, I want to be clear, this, this episode, I don't so much want to be my breakdown of the upcoming World Series of Poker and the schedule and the structures. Uh, that I will do in another episode. This is more so uh, pertaining uh, to the uh, discussion Dan Negreanu had with PokerNews.com, I think it was, and uh, what he had to say and uh, my thoughts on that. So basically, Negreanu said that he's going to do something he hasn't done for a long time or ever, as he said, um, I think he said ever, uh, and play the lower sta- uh, stakes, kind of lower buy-in larger field events um he went so far as to issue a bet anybody even money that five million bucks i think he even set up to five million bucks that if he does that he doesn't have a minimum of uh 15 caches he also uh i guess desperately wants to win player of the year a couple of years ago uh when i was down in vegas that was kind of the story was i think it was in one of the very first events he actually had a runner-up uh, and was uh, kind of up the leaderboard for player of the year. Um, they had had the big 10K tag team event early on in the summer. And the structures for the World Series of Poker do change every year. I, I do want to mention that that the structure from one year um, does not mean, or the schedule rather, isn't the same year to year. Some events are always featured early, some later. Of course, the main events usually later in the summer. And the uh, 10K heads up is usually towards the beginning um, at least in the last few years, uh, which I don't know how I feel about that. I think the reason why they do that is because more and more players are arriving as the summer goes on. More and more players are making their way to Vegas. Um, plus, they have larger field events and more and more larger field events. And as the those events kind of grow, um, it just uh, an event like a heads up event just takes up too much resource. It takes up too much real estate. Takes up too many dealers. Uh, so I think that's kind of the, the reasoning there, uh, as to why that's the problem with heads up events. I think that's why some play, um, places either they come and go and some places have heads up, some don't. Um, I personally, as many of you know, love playing heads up. And, uh, so I love the heads up events. Uh, but I mean, it is what it is. I understand the logistics of it and I understand how hard it is to run a heads up event, uh, especially if you're doing an automated draw or a manual draw, however you're doing it, it can, um, it can be a bit cumbersome and it's very uh, resource consuming. So I, I do get that. So that one's usually at the beginning of the summer, uh, kind of right between the the ending of those first big, big buying events 
and uh, the start of some of the uh, smaller uh, by and larger field events. Um, last year I played in that 10 K heads up, made it to the second round. So woohoo. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So Negranu, um, brings up this idea of playing a much more intensive schedule. Now, I don't know if it will allow him to do that, uh, just because of the types of events he does. And not only that, a player like Daniel Negranu also does care, um, about his performance. Right. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, if it was ideal to him and a lot of those top players, they wouldn't be playing large field events. Um, and they only stick to the bigger uh, buy-in events, you know, 5 and 10K and better. Um, and maybe it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is, is that, I mean, I guess essentially it does make the uh, larger field, lower buy-in events more kind of amateur and recreational player friendly and kind of allows you to kind of build towards playing those bigger buy-in events. Um, but the World Series kind of is different than a lot of those other tournaments and a lot uh, different from it, it. It is still the most prestigious tournament series in poker. I would say it has, you know, as poker's grown and evolved, especially over the f last few years, and you've seen more of these high rollers, you're seeing other big poker series. Uh, you're seeing the amalgamation of some series. You're seeing the growth of other series. The world series of poker has remained consistent and that's been around this year as it's 50th year. Um, the bracelet, Nobody's been yet to come up with something that I think is as representative of poker greatness as those uh, WSOP bracelets. So, you know, it, it kind of, it, it is the show. So I get it. And Daniel McGrath during the summer, other than maybe playing the Aria Super High Roller Bowl, which they usually try to have over and done with before the beginning of those big buy-in events at the World Series, sticks to the World Series. I mean, you're not going to see him playing a $200 buy-in event at... Um, the Golden Nugget. He's not playing the famous Goliath at the Planet Hollywood. He's not even playing the Venetian Deep Stack events. You know, you're not seeing him in these events. You might see him if they had a big WPT buy-in. You might see him in that. But other than that, his focus is the World Series of Poker. And for him, and I think for a lot of the greats in the game, they recognize the importance and value of those bracelets and where you're etched in poker history. As the WSOP remains kind of the measuring stick of tournament poker success... Um, and kind of that pinnacle of uh, poker tournament achievement, you know, uh, accumulating bracelets is a big thing. And as Negranu, he'd won, I mean, I think he's a six-time WSOP bracelet winner, but a lot of other young and up-and-coming players, and, and not even just up-and-coming, but the younger generation now, or that next generation, are now on his heels with some of them having four, five, even tying him with six bracelets. So you're seeing a lot more of that, and it's kind of a weird thing. Like from five to about eight bracelets, there's like a convergence, and then there's a lot of people below that, and only a few above that. Um, for those of you that don't know, Phil Hellmuth has the most uh, WSOP bracelets at 15. Uh, Phil Ivey, Johnny Chan, and uh, Doyle Brunson are all tied at 10. Then I want to say it might be Johnny Moss at nine. Uh, Eric Seidel has eight. Um, so it is what it is. And uh, then you have um, Negranu down there at six. And then I think you have Mercier. And I want to say, um, yeah, Mercier has five. Johnny World Hennigan, I believe, has five. You start to see some of these guys like Sean Deeb has multiple bracelets. Paul Volpe, I now think, has multiple bracelets. Ben Yu, I think, won a couple of bracelets last year. Uh, Joe Cata won a couple of bracelets last year. So now he's up to, I think, four or five bracelets himself, um, all of which are in Hold'em. So... 
you know, I, I can understand for Negreanu kind of understanding like, hey, you know what? I really want to be establishing myself up at that top of achievement. And I mean, as lesser known players or as other players kind of eclipse him, and I'm not speaking for Negreanu, I'm just thinking maybe what, uh, you know, some of the goal here to win as many bracelets and stuff is possible is because of that. You know, he does deserve his place in history. He is in the Poker Hall of Fame. Uh, and it has been a while since he's won a bracelet. Uh, lest we forget, Helmuth just won a bracelet last year. Um, he had, I think, a runner-up or a third place showing in the big one for one drop a few years ago. He had a runner-up at the Poker Players Championship a few years ago to Brian Rast. He still stayed relevant. People give Helmuth a lot of, you know, they, they give him a lot of shit, but he has stayed relevant. Um, as always, this year, though, the Casino Employees event is the first event. Uh, so that one is the first start. Um and that'll begin on May 29th. So, uh, yeah. As far as this goes for Negreanu, I don't know if his schedule allow it. Um, he does have the um, traveling bus thing, the Rockstar bus, as I call it, uh, for uh, that he parks at the Rio and stays in. So he kind of has like a home away from home. Uh, and with that being said, I mean, allows him a lot of conveniences that the rest of us don't have. Um it is what it is, and things aren't always fair in life, so we just kind of have to get over that. Um, but, I mean, it's not like he's the first of the big-name players to be playing smaller buy-in. Helmuth plays smaller buy-in events. Um, I've seen Elkie, Kata. You know, you see a lot of these guys playing. So, I mean, if that's what Negrandi wants to do this year, he wants to do it. Now, his big reasoning is the player of the year. The player of the year formula is kind of weird because... Um, I believe it truly does reward the bigger the field. I mean, the more points you get. So generally speaking, the lower the buy-in, the bigger the field. Makes sense. And what he feels is that, or I think what a lot of players, not just him, is that, yeah, there's a convergence of talent when you start playing the 10K and bigger events. People tend to know what they're doing. They're better players. Um, so you're playing the hardest kind of tournament in poker in terms of pure raw skill. The thing about the smaller buy-in wider field is variance, um, especially in a game like No Limit Hold'em. It's all about variance, and you're going to encounter such a variety of player. Um, the higher the buy-in is typically, the better the player, the more they know what they're doing. And when they know what they're doing, you kind of know what they're doing. Um, when you kind of have start having a mixture of recreational and amateur and beginning players playing in events... It can really throw you off your game. Their thinking could be different. You have to consider more variables in every decision you make. It is quite difficult. And that's why I was saying last year that, you know, if you looked at Kata's performance and uh, what ended up being Justin Bonomo's performance towards the end of the World Series, that beginning half of the year, there's really arguments to be made both ways as to who had the better, more successful year. Um, Bonomo swept the Super High Roller Series. Kata had two bracelets and a fifth place or fourth place in the main event after winning the main event 10 years ago. So, you know, it's tough to say who, uh, in that case, again, Bonomo's playing the best of the best. So, you know, the raw skill level is at its highest. With Kata, he's playing the wider variant. So now you're having to think about more. So it comes down to what you weigh and value, and that's kind of where Negreanu's going with this whole idea of having to play these smaller buy-in events. If you really want to have a shot at player of the year, he's right. You have to be playing as many events as possible. Chris Ferguson was play plays every event uh, over the last couple of years, um, especially the year he won the player of the year. Uh, as controversial as it is, it is just the fact. He did win it uh, based on the formula and was playing every event. So when you look at that... 
and you think about things like that happening, yeah, I mean, it is tough. However, you know, you, you think these guys should keep, but it's open to anybody. So yeah, kind of have to deal with it and understand the perspective of it. The other side of it too is that if you're considering yourself a pro player or you want to be a professional player or you want to have tournament success and you want to live that life and you want to, you know, accomplish these things, you're going to have to face these players eventually. There's no beating around the bush that you're going to have to play the toughest of the tough eventually. Um, if you're not ready to play against these players, then, I mean, I recommend just avoiding those events. Um, the likelihood you're going to win a WSOP bracelet without having to play some very tough competition is next to none. Uh, everybody there um, brings a certain element of understanding and skill to the game. And you're just hoping that your skills, your knowledge, and your ability to make decisions is better than everybody else's. You're also hoping, again, there's two parts to it. Playing um, good enough to win and putting yourself in positions that will allow you um, to get the win. So those are the two components, and those are two very difficult components to master, especially with that variance. Plus now you add in that, yeah, you're going to have some upper, some the upper echelon of skill goes up as these bigger, better players um, arrive on the scene. So, I mean, if it was something else, I could, you know, maybe a different poker series, I could understand the concern. However, at the World Series, it kind of, all that has to get thrown out the window and just take it for what it is. All the bracelets, other than the main event bracelet, are essentially created equal. They just have little different writings on them, depending on which event you won. Other than that, the bracelets are all created equal. So if it's a race to win bracelets, guess what? You're going to have to play other bracelet winners to do it. Secondly, you need to know where you stand skill-wise. You know, and maybe it's not your time yet. Maybe you need to go back to the drawing board, or maybe it is. You know, get in there, and and if you're a player, get in there and and get your chips in and and play for the best and 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 play your best, and hopefully things and good things come your way. If not, then you know where you stand. Um, I I, I think it's as plain as simple as that. So you know, and and I mean, with the World Series, there's a lot of events, right? So you have to understand that. And remember too, yeah, pay attention if you're looking at which events to play. Pay attention to when there's a big buy-in event versus a smaller buy-in event. Find that, you know, I doubt Daniel Negreanu is going to miss the Poker Players Championship, which uh, begins on June 24th for the $600 No Limit Deep Stack Championship, which starts on June 25th. I highly doubt that. I would be very, very, very shocked if he did that. However, if he gets eliminated, would I be surprised to see him jump into one of the entry flights for the Colossus event? He might. He might also play the 10K Raz event. So there's so many of these things that you have to consider. I don't think people should start getting scared because, again, you never know who's going to be playing in these events anyway. Oftentimes, you'll see other top players. You'll see a Phil Ivey. He entered the, uh, he played the Colossus last year, I believe it was. Michael Mizraki made the uh, final table, I think it was, of the um, giant PLO um, the day after winning the PPC or two days after winning the PPC. So, I mean, you never know. It is what it is. If you don't think your skills are good enough to beat a certain player, then you have to avoid that player. Sometimes that means don't play that event. Um, but I, I do believe if you are playing a World Series of Poker event and you want to give yourself the best chance of success, know what you're doing 
and be confident in your skills. If you think for one second you are not good enough to win a certain event, maybe lower the stakes and play another event. That's all I'm saying. Um, because, yeah, buy-ins to poker events aren't cheap. And as um, one of my, uh, actually one of the guys from the uh, Vegas Squares podcast, um, Aaron uh, from the Vegas Squares podcast, we were talking one day and we say, he says, you know, the amazing thing about poker, if you consider it a sport, is it's one of the only sports, if not the only sports, that's entirely self-funded. I mean, yeah, there's guarantees. Sometimes there can be overlays and whatnot. But for the most part, and sometimes I mean for certain events, you know, a broadcaster might pick up the rake. But for the most part, it's self-funded, which is an interesting dynamic in itself. So, I mean, keep that in mind as well that, I mean, your buy-ins are paying the prize pool. So if you're not, sometimes you have to take a break. Sometimes you just need to refocus. Sometimes you need to study harder, whatever it might be. Make sure, especially for the World Series of Poker events, you put yourself in a position to do well. If you don't, I mean, that's on you. Uh, but in terms of Daniel Negreanu announcing he's going to be playing more events, I honestly, I expect to see them all in every event. Uh, and I think you kind of have to come to expect to see the best of the best in any given event. If you don't expect to see them, I think you're only fooling yourself when they do show up. Um, and yeah, I mean, the higher the buy in the event, yeah, the more likely you are that there's going to be, again, that convergence of talent or perceived level of talent where, yeah, you know, all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, you know, it's the, it, the fallen people are in the field. Well, it's a 5k buy in. What did you expect? You know, or even last year I played the 3k shootout and it's like, yeah, it's name brand player after name brand player. Guess what? That's what happens. This isn't a $200 buy-in event. This isn't a $50 buy-in event. So I think once you, we kind of are more open and honest with ourselves in what to expect and what we can expect in terms of the level of play, the level of players there, yeah, be honest with yourself and say, hey, am I ready to take that next step? There's nothing wrong with be, not being at that level. I, I can't stress that enough to people. You need to play at the level you feel comfortable at. If you can't play NHL hockey, why would you go and get and play NHL hockey and get smashed around by those players? It just doesn't make sense. If you've only thrown a football with friends in the backyard, guess what? You do not, you should not be playing in the NFL. So it's kind of the same things. I think, you know, just be prepared that, yeah, I mean, the best thing I can get, the best piece of advice I can give poker players of any level is understand the stakes understand what's on the line and your competition. You know, if your competition is the best of the best, then guess what? Yeah, it's going to be a tough road. Remember though, you know, before they were Daniel Negreanu, before they were Phil Homie, before they were Phil Ivey, they were just like you and me. So I don't think there's any reason to, to panic as you see this, as it's been happening year after year. Um, with those top level of players and the perceived top talent of poker playing in smaller buy-in events. It's the World Series of Poker. You're there for the bracelets. It is what it is. Um, does it kind of suck? Yeah, because I mean, there's events that you you possibly can't buy into that they can. So there's that perceived feeling of, oh, they should stick to their events and I should stick to mine. I guess. I don't know if that argument really holds much ground, but yeah, it's not fair, but that's the way it is. You work to get to that level. It's not meant to be, you know, fair. 
You know, it's meant to be equal. Everybody has the same equal opportunity to win. The structures are the same. You know, per player in player uh, player in spot one has the exact technical chance of winning as player two. All things considered equal. Now, of course, you take into factors like skill and whatnot. But in terms of the rules of the game, the logistics of the game, all things are created to give everybody an equal shot at winning. Um, whether they have a fair chance, no. But that's the way most things are in life. Anyway, I thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Just wanted to talk about that, change things up. It's been a little while since I've talked about poker. I'm going to be doing an episode uh, coming up um, about the summer schedules, breaking them down uh, for you. Um, instead of doing it all in one episode, maybe I'll see how long each schedule takes to break down. Um, might do it over multiple episodes, but um, that's going to be coming in the next little bit. Uh, but yeah, just wanted to touch on that news and kind of, if people got worried thinking, oh my God, that no, guess what? They all play the whole series of events. It is what it is. He's just making a big deal out of it. But it is the way the player of the year formula works is that it does reward bigger fields. So, I mean, that's why the main event is worth so many points is that you have a relatively big buy-in in the ten k in the $10,000 and it has the largest field. It's the most prestigious no limit hold'em tournament of the year. Uh, so it is what it is. That's poker for you. Um, in a way it's kind of life. Anyway, I thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the seems legit podcast. Once again, big shout out to all our friends of the podcast. We got B boys, honey. We got zero gravity games. We got Vegas squares podcast. We've got skin dimensions tattooed and we have self fixed doctors. Um, I want to thank you all. If you aren't already doing so, uh, please follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at the dude, sunny D Anyway, I thank you so much for tuning in this episode. Take care and bye-bye for now.